Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Okay, we have got a good one here, especially for everyone that is in the GTA. You've probably heard of permission, and if you haven't, today is your lucky day. Um, It's actually funny how the stars kind of align and how you realize just kind of how small Toronto really is. The two co-founders of Permission, Amanda and Laura, um, were just destined to be on the podcast, honestly. Since signing with Babe Media, we have gotten you know, so many amazing recommendations for podcast guests. Amanda and Laura were at the top of that list. And then actually what's funny is despite the COVID lockdown, Emma and I were just like needing to get out of the house a little bit um, during one of the the, like early um, breaks in the lockdown earlier this year. And we strolled into permission, not even really understanding who they were or how we might in the future get tied with one another. Um, and we were just blown away by how beautiful oh the space gosh. is. You guys, like Emma, set the, the stage a little bit. What did it look like walking into their studio? Oh my gosh. It is just like so immaculately designed. Like you feel like you're in a showroom in like LA. Yeah. Like it's just such a stunning space. You feel so like zen in the space it's so beautifully merchandised um all of their brands they carry are typically not what you'd see in the canadian market which we'll get into in the episode um but yeah no it's just like you just want to spend time in there that's the best way to put it you just want to hang out zen is actually the right word because i was gonna say it felt like a spa like yeah i'm not kidding you guys for anyone that doesn't know toronto ossington is like maybe my favorite street in this entire city. It's super walkable. Everything has like an indoor outdoor experience. There's a huge um, mix of like restaurants, shops, um, like bars, breweries, like it's just a very interactive street. And there's like hardly any traffic. And so the sidewalks are full all the time. And so we like to just go walk around just because it feels like lively and like there's a lot of people around. And then you look at permission and it sits on this the corner of like a pretty busy part of Oz- Ossington. And there's like white stone all in the, the grounds around it. You come in and arches everywhere. The color palette's beautiful. The lighting is beautiful. And Emma, you, you nailed it. You literally just want to be in there for hours. Mm-hmm. No, I really didn't want to leave. Yeah, it's so cute. And um, for those of you that don't know, Permission is a really interesting company um, started by these two sisters. They're also co-founders, Amanda and Laura. And their vision for Permission, I think it has like really important messaging and values behind it. They want it to be two parts. So they've got, you know, a retail component. They've also got the e-commerce component. And where I think so many brands are launching their own product lines and trying to get visibility and all this stuff, um, what's really smart about how Amanda and Laura approached this is they were like, look, there are already so many great brands that just aren't accessing the size-inclusive market. They aren't accessing the skin color-inclusive market. And they're also not accessing the Canadian market, despite us having a huge, huge workout and fitness culture, especially here in Toronto. And so what they've done is basically built the community or kind of like the middle stages that connects these amazing brands to the consumers here locally. And they've just done such a tremendous job. 
Yes, absolutely. And we get into it in the episode, but you know, they're their own target market. They know what they want to see. They knew there was a gap and they pointed it out. And they're also first time entrepreneurs and they're just absolutely crushing it. Like, yeah, it's insane. Go look at their website. If you're not in Toronto, if you are in Toronto, go check out their store. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, in this episode, we talk through kind of what that experience is being a retailer and how to build relationships with brands, how they figured out you know, what they wanted to carry, um, all of that. It's a super interesting episode because we haven't had many businesses on who have a similar model. Um, So yeah, this is a really fun one. I learned a lot. And yeah, should we stop rambling and get into it? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have Amanda and Laura with us, and they are sisters and founders of Permission. So thank you both so much for being here today. We're so excited to chat with you. Thanks for having us. We are so excited. There we go. Finishing each other's sentences right (laughs) off the bat. I love it. Love it. Okay, so to start us off, let's just go into some background. Um, What were you doing before Permission? Why did you decide to jump into entrepreneurship and start this brand? Yeah, so um, I was working in PR. Um, I had gone to school for marketing and I also took entrepreneurship in school and I was just like, hmm, I don't know what I want to do. So I kind of found my way in PR um, and I liked it, but I always, like me and Amanda always knew we wanted to work together in some capacity. We just didn't know what. We were like, we're definitely going to work together, but the idea was just like up in the air. We didn't have an idea. We, yeah. didn't, ha- we didn't have a plan. Um, and then Amanda was working in. Yeah. So my I was in a bit of a different um, area than Laura. I had gone to school for geography at U of T. And then uh, my whole plan was to become a lawyer. Um and then I worked at a law firm and realized it wasn't for me. So <laughs> I, yeah, and I decided I needed to do something creative. So I went back to school for interior design. And that's what I was doing um, prior to permission. Yeah. But I absolutely loved it. And yeah. I feel like that our wor- worlds kind of collided with permission. Yeah. And it's both- interesting when people hear our backgrounds because they're like, oh, like they pair so well with everything. Like you have like the best. Everything, but I'm like it. It actually does. Like Amanda really hits like the really creative sides and like the interior design and all of that. And then okay. having the PR background is is so helpful um, when starting a business and scaling a business. So I feel like our our backgrounds really married well to help us like set set the tone for the everything. Tone. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about that is when we were doing a bunch of our research for today's episode. I couldn't help but notice all of the PR you guys had done around literally the design of the store. So when you're talking about marrying both backgrounds, I mean, that is like the perfect example. Um, When you were deciding like, okay, we want to do something together. We're not sure what, what were some of the other ideas that were swirling around? Oh my gosh. When we were younger, I think like we had like a different idea all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one that really sticks out for us is we thought we were going to open a club and call it Club Soda. Oh yeah. So that was like very, very young. We've always, like, <laughs> always been turning. It's been like weird, but I don't know. We like, we went through a phase where we were really like makeup and we we're like, yeah, we're definitely going to start our own makeup brand. Um, but I think like just like none of it felt like the right fit, you know, Um, especially when you're younger, you don't really know. Yeah. Um, and then our father's an entrepreneur. So I feel like that was kind of instilled in us at a very young age. 
our mother, our mother's a teacher and she always thought like we should go that, that teacher route. And mm. it was just like, never was for us. You no, know, we yeah. clicked with, with what our dad was doing and, and mm. we really admired him. So I felt like that, that kind of started yeah. this up for us. Yeah. Mm. Actually, you know, it's funny you say that as you were talking before you, you even mentioned your dad, I'm like, this sounds like you come from a family of entrepreneurs where yeah. you're literally born screening for ideas and looking yeah, for gaps yeah. in the market. It's just how your brain works. Absolutely. We are, we're like constantly thinking, even still now, like even while we have a business, it's like, okay, like what's, what's the next, next idea? Oh my gosh. I love it. But, Two girls after our own hearts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for real. Um, no, but. Yeah, it just it just felt like the organic fit. Like, yeah, the stars aligned when when permission was born for us. Like, in working together, we were both like at at the right place in our lives too mm-hmm. to really like get down and dirty with it. Okay. And there was really no timeline where we were like, okay, so by this age, we want to we're we're gonna quit our jobs and we're gonna start working together. I think Laura was working up until last August. Yeah, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, at her job and. And we launched in November. Yeah. Okay. I, that's what that was going to be my next question. Is like, what has the timeline been? Okay. So you launched November of 2020. Yeah. You launched November of 2020. Okay. And so how has it gone since then? Oh my gosh, it's been a, a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could have never imagined um, anything like any of the world events happening. You know, mm-hmm. okay. um, at the time that we launched, but, um, permission has been like, I want to say like two to three years in the making, um, just from like the idea, like creation to actual build out. I feel like we sat on the idea for a while and we were like, you know, should we do it? Should we not? Like it's a risk opening your own business. It's definitely, you definitely have to take a jump and a leap of faith. And, um, we finally did it. And then there were curveballs thrown at us with COVID. So um, it's definitely been a ride from November to now. I feel like it's been like two years from November to now. Um, But it's been really good. We're we're really happy with everything. And we're honestly thankful for the opportunities we've had given given the circumstances. circumstances. We always say to each other, uh, if we could have gone in through this hurdle, we can really get through anything. Oh, it's so true. In fact, I was um, with a couple of friends who are entrepreneurs over the weekend, last weekend, and they were saying the same thing. It's so hard to overcome this hurdle when you're such a new business and you don't have that brand equity and that community that a lot of these other retailers can fall back on during these times, but it's teaching you a whole new level of resilience. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's funny because like it's not even like everyone was like pivot, like that was the word of 2020. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But we, we didn't even have we didn't even have the opportunity to pivot. It was just like we had to start a whole new approach. Yeah, to, I think it, that's what it was. It was an entirely new approach, and we had to really rethink everything um, because we we weren't even open by that time. So okay, there was nothing that could have prepared us. Hang on, I, yeah, I want to dig into this a little more. You launched in November twenty twenty. Yeah. Why? Why November? Like, what? Talk us through the decision to proceed with launch, even though the world was still in such a state of flux. Yeah. So we started construction September um, of twenty nineteen. September twenty nineteen. Oh, wow. We were um, supposed to open May twenty twenty. Yeah. That was the projected date. Oh, so we, we had like done all our like ordering and 
everything. And like, you know, like we were ready for like May 2020. And unfortunately, like with COVID and delays and construction, um, the store wasn't going to be ready. And we just didn't feel we wanted to, to launch online first. Like it just didn't wanted- feel authentic to us. Um and we, we wanted like we wanted them to launch at the same time. We yeah. wanted that that mm-hmm. e-commerce platform and that um, brick and mortar space to to open at the exact same time, and that was kind of how we always envisioned it. Um, and so we we kind of waited. Last summer felt normal for a second, so yeah. we thought maybe we had a shot. Yeah, yeah. and then you know what? We're like, it, it was it was too late to go back, and we were never gonna undo the work we did, and we 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 wanted to carry this out and we're so passionate about it. So we're like, Hey, we're going through with it. We're going to open November, 2020. We made it to opening we were open for three weeks and they were like, Hey, never mind." Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, like now what? Um, we like knew at that point, like we would be in lockdown for like a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting because we kind of built our business model on the, like the importance of that in person experience Mm -hmm. um so we were kind of left with like the question of like how do we translate this online especially to a brand new like audience a brand new audience uh we hadn't built like a strong community yet because we had just launched and then um just like getting a feel for who our customer was and that was super important for us um so we were faced with all those like we're in a weird limbo um, but I think we really took that time to just like push further mm-hmm. and that, that was important to us. I think it, yeah. it really helped us grow as, as business owners and as a brand as a whole. Yeah. Well, no kidding. I mean, when you say, yeah, if we can get through this, we can get through anything. I completely agree for our listeners who are outside of Toronto. We went back into lockdown in November and we really like just came out what in June, yeah, it hasn't been that, that long. It's had, crazy. We had a weird stint of reopening in March, and we just felt like right from the beginning there was something uneasy about it, and we we're like, "This, this we're going to just ride this as long as we can." But it was really day to day then, where yeah. we, I think, we were only open another three weeks. Oh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's my heart goes out to yeah. business owners. It it's been so tough. Um, I, yeah, I would love to hear more about that really intentional decision to do e-com and in-person at the same time. So you said you wanted to be able to get to know your customers. Um, obviously, the space is absolutely beautiful. Me and Kelsey went there on a walk uh, probably in March when you were open for those few weeks, and yeah. we just fell in love with the space. So can you speak a little more to kind of what really fed that decision to do both? Yeah, I think when we um, – dreamt up the idea of permission, it was really built on experience. Um, And that's the thing we were kind of trying to shake up the most was um, the experience people have when shopping activewear and and what that looks like, what that feels like, the energy behind that. Um, So that was all like buzzing in our heads. And then I guess when we, we didn't have that physical space, it, it, we want we wanted to launch with the physical space that was that was the most important to us yeah, yeah. um having people in our doors talking to people and we, and just- we had done a ton of research before this um and there 
pre-COVID, there was a shift and a trend in retail where people were craving those in-person experiences. They wanted to shop brick and mortar. It was on the rise. Um, so we thought pairing those together, that would build a really strong brand from uh, for yeah. us from the get-go. Hmm. I could see that. And actually, it's funny, like Emma and I are a little bit biased because we come from the e-commerce world, but we're seeing a huge shift in how people are thinking about retail now. It's yeah. no longer big box stores, you know, convenience at all costs, that type of thing. We're starting to see a lot of these really strong brands use retail space as like their studio and their community building component. And I think you guys are doing a great job with that. I just noticed the gelato bar um, launch. You're like literally bringing people in for more than just yeah. to look at beautiful clothing. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about community and how that plays a role in permission overall. I The community is is probably one of the most important things to us. Yeah. It's a pillar um, of the brand. It's definitely a pillar of our brand. And, and it's something that we, we envision, like we envision our community and everything we do. Um, and want everything to be so thoughtful around that. Um, so we, we wanted the store to act as like a community hub for people to like come in. And it's not just about like coming to shop every time, but like coming to hang out and right. coming to try new things. And, and that's, um, that's really where the pop-up space comes into play. Absolutely. Um, so we had built out the pop-up uh, idea from, from the very beginning where, where we wanted to allocate this space for, to bring freshness, to bring newness um, to permission constantly. And that would just rotate every few months or every few weeks. Um, and the idea behind that was always to bring in local brands, but also to give some maybe um, US-based brands an opportunity to test the Canadian market. Um, but with COVID, COVID had other plans COVID for us. COVID has other plans. COVID um, wanted to change things up. So, so yeah, we, we kind of decided, you know what, we're going to do our own thing in there this summer. Um and make it really fun because like active wear and gelato, like they go, you know, they yeah. go ahead and hand. at least for us they do. So oh, yeah. Um it, it's been a fun, a fun like little extension of the brand, and we're excited to see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited to see it too. Um yeah. so I have so many questions, but <laughs> <laughs> one that's coming up is obviously launching a physical space is a lot more costly than just starting with e-com. Um, so what did that funding experience look like and how were you able to build the capital? And obviously, you know, the space looks like you really invested in it. Like, it, like I said, it's just so beautiful. So what did that take? Um, it definitely took a lot. It was, it was a interesting process to go through. Um, just knowing we had, definitely a more costly yeah our overhead was going to be a lot our a overhead lot. was way more than we would ever imagine mm-hmm. um with an e-com store and i think one of the biggest questions we got is like oh like why are you opening a physical space like so many people said that to us they're like just start online like it's so low risk it, it'll be much easier for you and we we're like something just didn't feel right about it so yeah and i think we really wanted to disrupt the activewear industry and yeah. doing that was it was an integral part was having that, that physical space, having that hub. Um, so we kind of anticipated the cost we would need. Um, and we, we self-funded for a bit of it. And then we also took out some, some loans. Yeah. It, uh, it was. And then I guess like, even once you're done that construction process, it's like, 
we were faced with more challenges because we weren't open. And then something that really was interesting is because we launched in 2020, we weren't um, able to apply for any government funding or any of those COVID related loans. Yeah. So it was tough because they had nothing for new business. Yeah. Um, So keeping yourself afloat in that is definitely a challenge. Uh, It puts the pressure on very thick to, to, to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. And so one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is like, where do you see the primary transaction channel happening? Are more people buying on e-commerce than in-store? But now after hearing more about your story, that might be a totally unfair question just because the stores had such a short shelf life compared to e-com, but maybe in an ideal world, let's kind of change the question a little bit. In an ideal world, where do you see the bulk of your revenue coming from? I think in an ideal world, like it, I, I would love to see it be 50 50. Um, I would love to see it be e com being the primary, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Source and channel right now, like people really want to come see the store, they want that first interaction they have with the brand to be in store. And if they're able to and they're local, um, I think they make the track and they come and they they like set their eyes on, yeah, the Ooh, destination. We've but. seen it flip flop dozens of times now yeah. and the trend it's like a roller coaster watching it yeah so one week will be e-com one week will be in store but um depends on the news it, it oh really gosh. depends but i think recently i would say like in store has been um the traffic has has definitely grown from yeah. that yeah it's been it's been crazy past few weeks of just very busy in store oh well love to hear that and it sounds it like then lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like your decision uh, is paying off then. So that's amazing. Um, To pivot a little bit. So you carry different brands, but you don't have in-house brand that you've created. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about, again, that decision um, and just what that process is like. But maybe let's start with why was it the decision to carry brands rather than um, start your own thing? And was that an easy decision? Was that always what you knew you wanted to do? That really, we knew that from the beginning. That's what we wanted to do. Um, We wanted to have that brand recognition somehow. And that came from some of the lines we carry. Mm -hmm. So when you see aloe yoga, everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Um, It it just adds like credibility, I would say, as as a business. Um, But it it really boiled down to it when we decided we wanted to start permission and create that athletic fashion destination. Um, it began with us and what we love to wear, the brands we personally reach to. Yeah. Um, so it really just felt organic. It felt organic for us to bring in these brands that we've loved and we've had great experiences with and we've we've tried and we've sweated and and we've had for years. Um, yeah. I think that was what like it, it just made sense. And then as Canadians, we struggled so much with with having access to these brands. There were some that we never had the opportunity to try until we would go travel to the States because duties were insane or the shipping wasn't even opened up to Canada. So we really were like, hmm, there's a bit of a gap here where I know people like the fitness industry in Toronto was booming. booming. Everyone was going to a workout class every morning, afternoon and night. And we were like, the options for your active fashion are so limited. Mm-hmm. We crave, we crave more. We, we crave more. We crave more. So I think it was just us bringing in those brands that we've loved so much. Um, 
into the store and, and giving them that space in the Canadian market too. So how do you decide which brands make the cut? Um, so we, it was interesting. Like we like made a, like a dream, dream list. <laughs> that was, a, that was at the beginning. Um, even before we like approached any brands, we made a dream list and we made our top 10 and we're like, let's go for it. Like if we, if we don't try now, like we're not going to, we're not going to do it. Like we have to try. So, um, we kind of went after all the brands that we, we felt connected to. And I think and, the majority of that list are in yeah, store now. Are in our store, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we like permission has a strong set of values and we'd love for that to be carried into all the brands we have. Um, size range is very important to us. Absolutely. So, um, that was definitely something we looked for in brands and we continue to look for like our brand development is, is never, never over. Mm-hmm. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So you build up your dream list and obviously you've got a lot of them now. What's that process like from deciding you want to carry them? To carrying them yeah it's interesting like it's basically a shot in the dark yeah um especially as a new business um we, also we had, had we had like nothing we had like just like maybe drawings of a store yeah um, and then our idea written down on a piece of paper yeah it was like we put we put together a brand deck and um made it look as best as possible and we were so, super happy with the way it turned out and um, hope that like other people and other brands would would see our idea and and feel something for it too and and I think it it did really hit and once we had those conversations like um, the brands were just as excited as we were and mm-hmm. they, they were really into it and and I think that's how we kicked off the relationship with a lot and yeah, and, yeah I guess you focus your attention on what the brands that respond and the ones that don't you can you can only move on move on and and keep going yeah that's a great point and I mean I'm not surprised your brand is good and your story is so good so I imagine when you're in front of these people it just makes sense um let's get micro here what was in that brand deck Ooh, um we had a a lot about us yeah Um, there was a lot about us and and what we didn't like about the activewear industry, I think, and is what, what fell we, off to us. What we pointed out at first, um, we had just just like a lot of value about that. I would say um, we talked about where, like, the location. We talked about how Ossington was such a community-driven street, um, and like where the the brand would be placed in Toronto. Yeah. A lot of them have never entered the Canadian market before. A lot right. of them. Toronto like wellness and fitness scene too mm-hmm. um, because I don't think a lot of global brands realize like how um, strong that is here oh, also, yeah. we have, like a mock-up of what our Instagram page would look like because yes. at the time we didn't even have an Instagram account. yes that's what's crazy we didn't even have an Instagram account yeah. Wow. And I can imagine like there's a lot of education that needs to happen. What is the Canadian market? What is the disposable income? Why is this a good investment for your company? And I think because you were some of the first to, to go through that, you probably had a lot more education work than you anticipated. Um, how did you actually get in front of the right people at these brands? Well, we did. We right before COVID, we actually went to LA. Yes, I forgot, went, why did I forget about this? It's like we went to a trade is- show, and it was an activewear trade show. Um, so we got in front of these brands. We got the opportunity to chat with them and talk with them. 
and come face to face with them, which was so key in developing those relationships. Yeah. Um, it's funny because now those those kind of have all ended. I don't know if they're even the starting that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we're back now maybe. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, everything's shifted to online. So we – we were lucky that we got that in right before this hit. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a, it was a key. Yeah, it was key for us. I think it's so nice to get face-to-face in front of someone. And you really can't compare like an email to meeting someone face-to-face. It's a totally Even different. Even a Zoom. Mm-hmm. Totally different experience. And I think that really helped us. We got in front of the right people there. Um, and, and then still a lot of it was through email. It's, it's funny though. We literally sent out an email yesterday with our brand naked in. And yeah. I was looking at it and I was like, it has honestly changed so much since even like, that last like year. that pitch email has shifted so much. We had to completely edit it because yeah. in just a few months, a lot has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it. Um, okay. So what was this trade show, first of all, that really opened things up? Um, we, we, went did, to, we, we went to two. two. We went to Chicago for one called Style Max. And that one we... Um, literally got up on a plane like the day after Halloween and yes. we were like, Hey, let's go to Chicago. We didn't do any buying at that time. We just went there to we, build connection and see how trade shows work. Like yeah. we literally had never been to one and we were like, okay, let's like, let's just go and chat. Um, and it was still really good. I think it was really valuable for us to have gone there. And mm-hmm. I think it's valuable to put yourself in front of the right people, even when you're not ready. Um, I think it shows you how you're ready to interact in those situations and, and what you have to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps really prepare you. I would definitely say yeah. that. It builds your confidence. It builds your confidence. And, and that's key. Um, so when we went, it was an active wear trade show in LA. When we went there, we knew what to expect and we were ready to do some buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, we, and that's when we did our first like buying. Like we actually placed an order and we were like, oh my God. Oh. Um, we were like, what did we, we get ourselves we in? Definitely <laughs> probably canceled that order because we weren't open by the time it was coming and that sucked. But um yeah, it, it was great. We we loved it. We would I would highly recommend um in future if anyone has the opportunity to like put mm-hmm. themselves in front of other people at a trade show. Take advantage, talk Take to it. talk to everyone you can. Yeah, it's funny because we even met, made connections with like people who are local from Toronto and we have them in our store now. And it's so funny that we went all the way to LA to make those connections. Yeah. um, It it was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So buying also something I know nothing about. How are you determining what styles, quantities, all of that? We have a rule of thumb with our buying and that's that both of us would want to wear each piece in the store. And so we sell nothing that we both like don't personally own or would like wear to a workout class or even just like on the day to day. Yeah. I think it's a lot of it is an extension of our our personal style. Um, And we know we we literally knew nothing about buying either. That's the crazy part is we like had no idea. Um. But it's kind of become like something we really love doing. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the most fun parts for sure. And I think we know we did like a really good buys when me and Amanda fight over, which 
we're keeping. Like yeah. we not we don't want to keep the same the same ones. We don't want to look like twins. But sometimes, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So I'm I'm curious about the margins and how um, wholesale finances work. I'm sure every manufacturer has their own structure. How did you guys factor the numbers into your buying decisions? Um, it definitely played a, a huge role for us. And also we have to take account um, duties and import fees as Canadians. So we, yeah. we sometimes get our yeah. margins get hit a little bit with those. Yeah, it, it's tough. I think um, it really depends where the brand is coming from. Yes, and this is all things we learned, and yes, you have to look into like the the North American Trade Agreement and um, where, where things are manufactured and then yeah. shipped from is key. Yeah, and you want to keep the margins as as uh, wide as possible. Yeah, so um, it, you have you have to do the research and you have to be very very diligent. I would say, um, and then you really negotiate your terms with the brand, and you can you can build out a better relationship with them as time goes on time goes on um they want they want to know that they're getting paid at the end of the day at the beginning of um your relationship and and so that can come with a big cost but eventually if you you build that relationship out and you're on good terms you you can uh get some wiggle room with things and i also think we have there's you have to price like according to the market right so um even if we're slammed with those duties we kind of have to we we have to take the hit so we have to sometimes and, and you have to decide whether whether it's worth it um or whether it's not right and and i think that that's been a huge learning curve for us yeah i mean it's so tough especially as a brand new brand when you have very little brand equity and so much of your adoption in the market comes from carrying the best brands and the problem with that is that the best brands have all the leverage and so you're really in a tough position trying to to make this sustainable when you don't have a lot of chips to play um How does it work? So you buy the inventory outright? Is that the the nature of these? Um, it, it really depends from brand to brand. Um, we usually like th- right now we're in the process of like buying for January, January, February, March. Yeah. Uh, so we buy pretty far out. Uh, we place our like pre-order and then once it's ready to ship, they'll be like, hey, we're charging your car today. Um, and then you buy it. And like, it it definitely depends what terms you have. Yeah. Or they could be like, hey, we're shipping, like your charge will be card. um, Yeah, you have 30 days to pay. Uh, It depends on like on the terms that you've negotiated. But um, it's it's interesting because sometimes you forget what you've purchased six months. Yes. Six months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like that. And that's been a really tough thing for us. I would say navigating through COVID is because all our orders are placed so far in advance. Um, and you, we didn't know what month we we're going to be in lockdown and what month we're not. And especially like, I'll, I'll use this as an example, it was holiday. Um, so we obviously bought more for holiday because it's the busiest time and like Black Friday yeah. and holiday. And So you have deeper buys. We, we had a definitely a deeper buy there for, for a lot of our brands. And it was interesting because we weren't open. So like our main point of sale was not there. Um, and, and the work, the work was already done. So it was up to us to, to still sell that. 
um, knowing that we were just going to be online and knowing people couldn't physically come to the store and touch and feel. So Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to anticipate, especially in in this world, like the trends of like what's going to happen in future. So um, like we had for holiday – uh, one of our brands was introducing swimwear to one of their lines and they were like, we didn't, we didn't buy into it. And they came back to us and they're like, why aren't you guys going to participate in this? And I was like, the line looks amazing. It looks incredible. I don't know if people are traveling in December. We don't know what next month looks like. We, it was too much of a risk. Yeah. And I think rule of thumb for us is like, if we ever have like a bit of a hesitation or don't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. Um, so looking at now, I mean, you launched in November, things are going great. What would you say the biggest thing holding you back is? Oh, Ooh. I feel like we're just starting to hit our stride, actually. Yeah. I feel like now we're finally like the, the everything, the wheels are turning. We're in full motion here where we've been open longer than a month, which has been <laughs> crazy. <laughs> like we hit, we hit that milestone. Um so I feel like now it's just like we're starting to be like, okay, what else? Yeah. Like, let's it's keep now. Planning. Now that we're able to do more, um, it's just like what we, we keep planning. Like we have some really fun collabs planned, and and I don't know. Like we're just we're, we're just riding this wave of like the excitement is yeah, settled excitement. in, and we we're like, okay, maybe maybe we actually can start planning and not just living day to day and hoping yeah. that that we can. Um, open our doors tomorrow. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's nice to be able to to plan. Like we have a few events planned and then like in person events. In person. Oh. So I'm like, God, I like fingers crossed they'll happen. But yeah, no kidding. Plans, right? Yeah. Um, it's definitely I think I think um COVID has probably been our biggest learning mm-hmm. curve not at all. Yeah. Um but we also we also um like, I feel like every time we kind of had a, a, like, maybe not the best day, you know, as every entrepreneur does, we, we really take the time and be like, okay, today sucked. Like, yeah. what can we do? And then that, that's where our best ideas come from is a bad day. And um, 100%. the wheels are turning and me and Amanda are like in the car and we're just like firing ideas at each <laughs> other and we're like hyping each other up. And yeah. that happens like often, I think often. The car, um, the car is like our business. Yeah, our <laughs> office. Um, like it's like the shower for so many entrepreneurs. It's like you have nothing yeah. else to do but think. Give us some examples. What are some ideas that were swirling around on your most recent bad day? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, I don't know. It's just like different different night collabs for sure. Um, that's something we want to roll out more. And I think now that we're like we're able to plan better. Um, we have a few like events. We're, we're starting to plan for our one year. Oh yeah. We're starting to plan for yeah. our one year already. Um, and just like brand development, like it's super important for us to continue to bring in brands and to continue to showcase new and, um, the, like we're all, we're always thinking on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Kelsey and I, we always have a million ideas of what we want to do with the podcast and like we're similar to you. We'll just get going and we just like go, 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 go. Have so many things we want to try. How do you – I guess my question is like we have these ideas but we don't know which ones to act on or we're so busy just like keeping the lights on. How is that – how do you determine what you're going to focus on next, I guess? 
Oh, that is something we're still figuring out. Yeah. We feel like we have our hands in all the cookie jars right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. We're like, oh God. Um, I think it's just like being thoughtful about what you put your energy into. Yeah. And then what makes you excited? Mm-hmm. What gets you really energized is where we'll be like, okay, like, this is where we need to focus our attention. I said to Laura this morning, I was like, I don't like I don't want to say too much because it is our our one year plan and it's like um something we're really excited about. But we were saying that um I was like, we have to do this. Like it's it's we have to do it. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. So there's just like there's you things that you're more more excited about than others. And I think um, you'll know when you're really excited about something. And then it, it – But it's, it's funny more- because sometimes that will completely fall flat. There's been like cases where yeah, that's true. we did um, like a cookie giveaway and we had people come curbside to pick that up and that completely fell flat. Like, like we were we were always trying to think of ideas of like, okay, like what can we do like to excite people to come grab their order curbside? Um, and, and people still just wanted to pay for shipping. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there was like, we've had tons of ideas fall flat and it's like, you think it's the best idea in the world. And then it like it, and then it falls flat you and a, you're like, a really uh, reality check. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, great. Like next onto the next idea. And so then, when, it, when it falls flat, what does that actually mean? Um, I feel like it's just you, like we were more excited about it and, we thought it was going to be like, yeah, or maybe it just more like successful than it ended up being, or uh, more we, well received. Yeah, we so have like a, people, a high benchmark of what we want everything to to look like when it's finally built out, and then sometimes when it's not like the there's not like a lineup down the street, we'll be like, oh no, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to judge yourself when stuff like that happens. Emma and I trust us. We've had our own share of this. And it's so funny when you're just starting out, you haven't built the muscle of trusting yourself yet. And I know that sounds so cliche, but like we did, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? We did a clubhouse and we had not the turnout we were looking for. And afterwards, both of us were like, did we just fail? Like, is that... Exactly. Like we shouldn't do this anymore. And it's only once you've had a couple of gambles that go right that you start to believe, okay, just because you had one that didn't work out doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you have to be on to the next. Absolutely. You just have to like take that, move on. We use like all our little failures as motivation. And and then we just like come up with the next idea and we're like, okay, what else can we do? Yeah. Just like don't let it get you down. And not all of the ideas will hit. And I think that's just a part of of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to know which ones to invest more time in and then which ones to just let go. Like once it's done and it wasn't successful, you just kind of have to let it go and yeah. and breathe and move on. And, and yeah. So there are a lot of brands out there that I think are doing a really great job in your space. In fact, we have Alala coming on next month. So we yeah, definitely believe in this space. Um, how do you decide what to copy from other brands as you know a new brand yourself versus when to strike out and do things differently? Um, I think we've always gone in with the mindset of doing things differently. Um, we really wanted to, like when we set out, to start permission, we really want to just dis- disrupt the activewear industry. Um, and something that always felt off to us was the imagery that was used. Um, so we were like, hey, we're just going to shoot all our own imagery. 
and and like you have access to all the banks of images and the yeah. brands shoot it all and they, they just give it to you and and it's so easy like to do that it's so easy to take that and and be like thank you and just put it up but and that's a huge cost that is off your plate that you don't need to worry about yeah. um but for us we were like this we want we we're creating a brand we're creating a community and representation in that is so key it, it was so important to us and like probably one of the most important things so um we we like kind of set out to be like hey we're shooting all our own imagery now and yeah that's just how we're doing things and i think it it really was because like we wanted to see people on our website that looked like us that looked like our friends that looked like mm. walking down the street like going to their workout class or oh, or yes. doing things and and that was the most important for us and I think we really wanted to set our own tone with that yeah. and I think every brand we carry has their own style and they're all doing incredible jobs we love them all but having them mixed up especially on your website it it doesn't look like us it doesn't feel like us yeah and it, it, was, it, it wasn't the permission vibe so um yeah that that's something that's super important for us and it'll continue to be just like forever. something we always do wow yeah. I actually I never really considered it but hearing you talk about it it makes so much sense when you're combining so many individual brands and aesthetics and values you really have to kind of add your own layer to it to make the vibe of permission more consistent. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about imagery. What was it that was so important to you that you felt like the other brands just weren't hitting the mark on? Um, I would uh, definitely say body type. Body type, a hundred percent. Yeah, big one. Um, I think most brands all like continue to miss the mark on body type, um, and it's unfortunate, but it, it's something that like people have different bodies and that's just life and, and we, we want to see different bodies and clothes between laura and i yeah we, we have different bodies and um we just felt like what one person loved and active where the other one wouldn't and that's why we wanted to create a space where both of us could shop and all of our friends could shop that they wouldn't feel like they were excluded or isolated from this because they weren't six feet and you know right. a pair of really long legs yeah um, and I think it's just like a body type is super important, but just like skin color, I would say a yeah, lot of the time, a lot. Just, you don't see everyone of every skin tone in a lot of like active, active ads or imagery. So that's something that's really important to us. And just like, it, it's all really important. We strive to include and be everyone in, in our imagery and just be really inclusive um and forward thinking so that's super important to us mm -hmm. oh I absolutely love it I think it's so important that you both have that focus and I love that your own you're your own target audience because I think that it just shows through in your brand you know what you want to see and you know what your consumer wants and I think that's just incredible so kudos to both of you um we could keep chatting all day but we're over time now so we just have one last question and then we'll wrap it up um obviously we think the two of you absolutely get it who do you think gets it Oh, this is this is tough. Um, but I would say um, we've been really inspired by Unica Swim. Yeah. And their yeah. store and oh, yeah. everything they're doing in the swimwear space, I think, is amazing. 
Um, and I just got a swimsuit by them and I'm obsessed. So I think they're killing it and I'm super inspired by it. that. Yeah. By <laughs> that. Um whole business model they have going. And we just like really admire lo- other local, local entrepreneurs. Especially now I feel like we've kind of all know what we've gone through. So we, yeah. we stand together, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And actually their vibe is really similar to yours. Maybe they yeah. would be a good podcast guest too. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, this was awesome. You guys are so much fun to talk to. I feel like Emma said this could have gone double the time. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was so fun. Okay. We covered a lot of ground with Amanda and Laura and their energy is just so good. You like feel oh, good talking with them. They're so fun amazing. to talk to. <laughs> yeah, cuties. Um, I honestly, looking back on this conversation, I feel like the biggest thing for me is, you know, these perceived barriers to entry. We think as a new brand, especially in such a crowded space like athleisure or this fitness and fashion community, we think it's so prohibitive to break into. But clearly, Amanda and Laura like didn't feel that way. And thankfully, they found an in. And it sounds like trade shows and meeting these retailers, manufacturers, distributors in person is kind of your way around that. If you've got a great mission and great values behind your brand, clearly you'll connect with people and the rest is history. Mm -hmm, Completely. Oh, relationships. So important. So important. And I also think a takeaway for me in this episode is retail is not dead. Like throughout COVID, obviously it's been heartbreaking to see the impacts on small businesses, especially ones that have a retail storefront. But I think this is just proof that that is not dead and consumers do still want that physical space to be in. And it's a great way to continue to tell your brand story and build that community. So yeah, super cool perspectives on, on that in this episode. And yeah, yeah, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. All right. Well, as per usual, if you like our content, please subscribe, rate, review. It means a lot to us, keeps us going. We always love hearing your reviews. So thank you so much to everyone who reaches out with feedback. Um, and we will see you again next week. See you then. Bye.